If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, we'll be reading verses uh, 35, or we'll be reading verses 5 through 13. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Our text, however, will simply be verse 9. Beloved, hear now the word of God himself. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is for the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Beloved people of God, called to be saints, perhaps... Perhaps sometimes, or maybe even often, maybe even often, you find yourself in the midst of the struggle of Romans chapter 8, verse 26. What do we read there? What do we read in Romans 8, 26? We read this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes we feel like we don't know how to pray. But just like the rest of the Christian life, prayer is never done. Prayer is never done in isolation from the grace and the strength of God himself. Beloved, prayer is not a work that you and I have to get right or else. One, our Lord Jesus knows that we need this help. He knows that we need this instruction and this care. That's why we have it right here before us. The Lord Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. We have before us the Lord's Prayer. And two, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds us that God is well aware of our weakness. God is compassionate towards us in our weakness. And so he sends his spirit to strengthen and to assure us, his children. Yes, prayer ought. As we can see in the previous part of our, the earlier part of our, our scripture reading tonight, prayer ought to be done in private and in ways that, that steers away from hypocrisy. But, beloved, that does not mean that our prayers are divorced from our everyday Christian life, the ways in which we walk, the ways in which we act, behave, walk in this world, our life in God's kingdom, which Matthew chapter 6 is part of our Lord Jesus' long sermon on what life looks like in the kingdom of heaven. Beloved, our prayer life is a mirror 
It sets the standard for our walk as believers. It sets the standard. It sets the pace for our Christian life. And that will be our theme this afternoon as we contemplate Matthew 6, verse 9. We remember this. Our prayer life sets the pattern for our kingdom life. Our prayer life sets the pattern for our kingdom life. We'll take this up under three points or or three headings. First, we'll talk about belonging in prayer. Second, about worship in prayer. And finally, third, about fellowship in prayer. We'll talk about belonging, worship, and fellowship in prayer. So, beloved, our Lord begins his teaching to us today by the call for us to call out to God as Father. Don't gloss over those words. Don't gloss over that call. When Jesus begins to teach us to pray, the first thing he says is to call out to our Father. The same word that many of us would use to refer to our own earthly fathers, here even gathered with us. Now, let's be clear that this is the Lord is not the same, not a father in exactly the same sense that men are fathers here on earth. God alone is perfectly holy, just, mighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, eternal, and righteous. God's name alone is sacred, and we will touch on that very soon. But don't miss the fact that when we come to God, the first thing that we confess is, My Father, our Father in heaven. We'll come to the majesty, we'll come to the glory, we'll come to the worship of God Most High. But in our desire to get there, don't miss. Do not miss how our Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, tells us to direct our prayers. Begin simply, our Father. Pastor, why why is this so important? Why harp on this? Why make a big deal about this? Congregation, some of us have had good and kind fathers in this life. Others of us have not had that privilege. privilege. Congregation, none of us have had a perfect earthly father. And so we do well to remember that the fatherhood taken up by men in this world is meant to be a reflection of the fatherhood of God and not the other way around. Earthly fatherhood ought to reflect heavenly fatherhood. But we know from our own experience, even our own hearts, fathers, that it does not always work out like that, does it? And so, man, be very careful to take this role that you have very seriously. Because many people's early understanding of God as father comes from the picture lived out before them in their own home. And so, yes, in this imperfect world, sin often and frequently does get in the way. But thank God that he has provided for us beyond the mere men who are given to us as with the role of father. The Lord says to those without an earthly father or those who, who have a severely sinful earthly father, He wants us to know things like this. Psalm 12 and and Psalm 18. God himself is a father and a helper to the fatherless and the oppressed. God heeds and hears the call to give justice to the weak and fatherless. Psalm 82. The Lord watches over the stranger. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Psalm 146 verse 9. And so good earthly father or bad earthly father. This is good news for you and for me 
this afternoon and all days because it points us to the fact that we belong to someone other than ourselves. We belong not just to an earthly father who, however, imperfectly loves us, and we, we know our earthly fathers do. We know that they love us, and they're, they're often patient with us and kind to us. They're providers for us. But more than that, we belong to God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And if our earthly fathers are able to love us, as the Lord Jesus says, in Luke when he gives the Lord's Prayer, if earthly fathers who are sinful can love us and provide for us, how much more does our perfectly, perfect heavenly Father love us, provide for us, care for us? We belong to our Father who provides everything we need, body and in soul. The Lord who will turn to our good, whatever adversity he sends upon us in this veil of tears. He's able to do this because he is Almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Does that sound familiar to you? Do those words ring a bell? I hope they do, beloved. Soak in Lord's Days 9 and 10 as you begin one of your days this week. So notice that having God as Father does not mean that we will never face adversity, never face difficulty, never face trials, temptations, things that hurt us, things that make us cry, things that break our hearts. The truth is that we will face these things. But the, the thing to know is that when we do, we have the one on our side who created all things, who is sovereign over all things who is perfectly just, who is perfectly holy. The God who gave us his only son. The God who poured out his Holy Spirit on us to kindle in our hearts that childlike faith. Everything about our being made children of this heavenly Father depends on the work of our triune God. Not on our goodness, not on our mercy, but on his sovereign work. And so that means that anyone, no matter their past sins, their past struggles, their temptations, their brokenness, anyone can come become a child of God by faith in Christ, his only begotten son. Because redemption and salvation depend solely on his grace, start to finish. And so never lose sight of that wonderful gift that is yours. By God's authority, you have the right to refer to God most holy as Father. That's an incredible thing. Never lose sight of it. And so this prayer is not just merely for the most holy amongst us. It is for all of us. Children, think about it this way. Would you be afraid to go to ask your dad to get breakfast out for you? Would you be afraid to go ask your dad for a drink of water before bedtime? After bedtime, it might be a different scenario. But before bedtime, you're not afraid because he'll get you that drink of water. If your dad is willing to get you your breakfast, if your dad is willing to get you that cool drink of water, how much more is the one who made you, the one who sent his son to die for you, willing to do all things for your good? That's who God is to you. I hope and pray your daddy is a good man to you. The Lord God is even better. Beloved, as I said, this is not a prayer just for the holy or the perceived holy. This is a prayer for the humble. A prayer for all of us as we come to our Father who is in heaven because we come with the humility confessing that this is not about me. I couldn't come on my own merits. I couldn't come through my own righteousness. Righteousness, I come because of the righteousness and the blood of Christ. 
And so when you struggle with these words, when you, when you struggle to know what to pray or feeling guilty about not having in your own mind the right words, when Satan tempts you to, to despair, A.W. Pink has this beautiful line that we, ought, we do well to remember. He says this, Let none of God's children allow Satan to rob them of this valuable part of their birthright. Let me say that again. Let none of God's children allow Satan to rob them of their God-given birthright. That's an incredible thing. By the work of Jesus Christ, through the sovereign work of God, by the power of the Spirit, you have the right to look to God in heaven and call him Father. We pray then with the same confidence that we're able to walk through this world in then. Through Christ, God himself has become my Father. He who did not spare his own son, Paul says in Romans, but gave him for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If we want things to change in our lives, in our walk with God, it begins here in intimate, humble prayer to our heavenly Father, the one to whom we belong. And that then brings us to our second point this afternoon, worship and prayer. The Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with that simple question that so many of us have known since we were children. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Notice that the Lord Jesus tells us to pray in verse 9 of our text, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we come to our Father in heaven, the first request that we make before anything else before we begin to talk to God about our daily bread, even forgiveness, before we ask him to, to lead us away from the evil one, the first thing that we ask of him is that his name would be hallowed. And children, when we use that word hallowed, we're not saying hallowed as in a log being hallowed out, but that God's name would be magnified, glorified, praised, set apart, worshipped in all the earth. When we begin our prayers this way, wanting God's name to be glorified, magnified, heard, we acknowledge that God alone is worthy of such praise and honor and glory. Everything else that we ask for in prayer comes, it flows from this. An admission, an acknowledgement of who God really is. God's name and, and, and the call to hallow it is all over the pages of Scripture. We read this morning in the law of God, Exodus 20, verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Psalm 8, verse 1, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 86, verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. At our first point, we said that prayers will allow us to walk this life in, in confidence, in boldness, to walk through this life in hope. God himself was our father for the sake of Christ. And, and now we see them, beloved, that our focus on God's glory in prayer will send us forth into this world to speak of him in such a way that his name is known, not just his name, who he is, what he's done, what he does for sinners like me. We live the words of Psalm 115, verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, 
but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. And beloved, whenever you hear those words in scripture, I speak of your steadfast love. I recount your faithfulness. We're being reminded that we are to speak of who God is and what he has done. How has God shown his steadfast love? How has God been faithful? Because before the patriarchs who've been walked the face of this earth, immediately following Adam and Eve and their rebellion and their sin, what did God promise? I will send someone. I will send the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the servant, even as he strikes her heel. God has been faithful to us from the very beginning. When we say the Lord's Prayer, when we ask for his name to be hallowed, we are longing for our Savior's name to be known amongst the nations. Well, Pastor, what do we mean by that? God's name is known. We don't want it to merely be known or spoken. God's name is hallowed and glorified when people know him for who he really is. Holy, just, righteous, merciful, kind, Father, Advocate, Provider, Savior. They don't know these things unless believers open their mouths to speak of them. Psalm 75, verse 1, we, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. A call to speak of Christ, this gospel. Psalm 63, verse 7, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. The praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel, that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Take a moment and just think about it. What has God delivered you from? What has God delivered me from? Have you seen his mighty deeds? He saved you. He saved me, a wretched sinner. Is the mercy of God on your thoughts and upon your lips subject matter around the dinner table? Subject matter amongst family and friends, personal meditation and study? This is how the name of God is hallowed. His name is known. His wonders confessed. His steadfast love and faithfulness proclaimed to the nations. And finally, beloved, we know that each one of us does indeed pray in private, yes. But we do not merely pray as individuals. Again, go back to our text, Matthew 6, verse 9. How does it begin? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Confessing God, not just as Father, not just as Father in heaven, not just as Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but our Father in heaven. One, it, it reminds us that we belong to him. He is our Father. He belongs to us as Father. Therefore, we belong to him as his children. But two, he is not just my father. He is our father. None of us only have a personal relationship with God. We do. I pray that each and every one of us has a, a growing personal relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, no doubt. But Jesus does not merely tell us to pray, my father in heaven, but our father in heaven. We share these precious blessings with all of God's adopted children because God's only begotten son laid down his life so that we could become his children. Jesus himself reminds us of this unity that we have together in him. In John 15, he reminds us that he is the vine and, and we are the branches. His father is the vine dresser. We have no life. We can do nothing apart from him. Each branch 
grafted into him the true vine. Paul in Romans 12 reminds us that we are one body but many members. He does the same in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. Many members, many individuals, one body together in Christ. Beloved, it's difficult for us to pray our Father in heaven if we have nothing to do with the our part. None of us survives apart from the body of Christ, the family of God, which we have been made a part of. How does the our part of prayer play itself out in your own walk with the Lord? Certainly and and foremost as a sinner saved by the blood of Christ amongst the church at all times and all places. But how about the fellowship of the body, worshiping with the body? Beloved congregation, let us pray together to our Heavenly Father. Let us walk together with our Father in Heaven that His glorious saving name, His mighty acts might be known amongst the nations. Amen.